We're going to be in a number of different places here today, taking a look at the the gift of faith. How is the gift of faith different, and what happens if I need a miracle? What are you supposed to do if you need a miracle? Do you have to go out and find somebody who's a working, who has the gift of the working of miracles, gift of faith, such things like that? What is it that we're supposed to do? How is it we're supposed to even find out if we have the gift of faith? And is the gift of faith just reserved for people that are really high up in ministry? Most of the folks that I've heard talk about having the gift are people that are national ministries. And so we can get the impression, we can get the idea that in order for me to have this gift, I have to be in a little bit more of a spotlight than maybe I feel that I am. So we're going to take a look at this gift and see how it differs from the working of miracles, because it is a different gift, obviously. It's not the same. There's something about this that is that is different. In looking at the working of miracles, it is God working through believers to supersede the natural course of things and miraculously change, changing what is to what God wills. Miraculously changing what is to what God will. But he's working through someone. Now, if we as believers don't pursue these gifts, if we just look at these power gifts, if we just look at these revelation gifts and say, well, they're for somebody... Uh, somebody else beside me, and I never pursue them, then there's going to be a lot of these gifts that are in the body, that God put in the body, that God had purpose for being in the body, and that God has use for them in the body, and we're not using them. And we're not pursuing them. And the thing that God needs, you aren't providing, because you didn't pursue it. So that's why Paul exhorts us, pursue them. Don't just let them sit out there. Go after them. So we must understand, pursue, and desire the gifts of the Spirit. All of them. Don't just get one and, well, I'm just going to be content here. You know, I prophesy every once in a while, so that's good for me. It doesn't matter if it's good for you. You're not given the gift for the profit of you. You're given the gift for the profit of all. And do understand, it doesn't mean that your profit is left out. Because you make up the all. You can't be left out of all. It isn't all except you. Now, when Jesus was operating in the gifts of of working of miracles, when he performed the feeding of the 5,000, did everyone eat except Jesus? So he profited, didn't he? When he sent Peter to go get the fish, and there's going to be money in it, who was the money in the mouth of the fish to pay for? Jesus. And Peter. So who benefited? Jesus and Peter. They both got to, to pay their tax. Well, actually, the fish paid it for them. So don't think that these things just have to be, be this way. When Jesus was called upon to calm the storm, who benefited? Well, everybody in the boat, which included Jesus. Don't think that just because the, the gift is in operation that you're being left out or that you're pushed out, or that it cannot benefit you because it is for the profit of all. But it's not for the profit of you exclusively. So make sure you mix it up. You say, God has given me this gift, and people are going to benefit. But you're also going to benefit. And it's okay that you benefit. God, does, God has enough to go around. God's not stingy. He doesn't give us just enough. He gives us more than enough. But reading over the Corinthians passage again, 12 for in verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are di- differences of ministry, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of the spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So he's distributing these individually. He doesn't just throw out, well, here's this gift, let's just give it to this group. He actually singled you out. He said, here's Sister Connie, Sister Vanessa, whoever, and here's the gift. And he puts it on you specifically, individually. You, all right, what can we use Ethel for? What can I use 
Mandy Fuller. What can, and, and we think of these, these different ones. What can I use them for? And he has thought about this and he has decided that Corinne needs to go out here and to do this particular thing so I have put these particular gifts on them. That's what he's thought about. Now, if I don't pursue those gifts, then the purpose for which God has me here will not be fully realized. Because I'm going to go at it with, with manual stuff. Instead of the gifts of the Spirit. Remember, we talked about it last week. The gifts of the Spirit, they're not carnal. They're mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. These gifts have no trouble pulling down strongholds. If you've got a stronghold in your life, it's because you're not using the gifts. You're not using the supernatural weapons. You're not using things that God has given at your disposal to do. If you were, it would come down. It's kind of like going out and trying to take it down the tree. If you got that little handsaw and you go out there, you're going to have a tough time. I mean, it may eventually come down, but you're going to be exhausted. And then once it comes down, now you got to cut it up. And you got to cut it up with that little handsaw. That's not going to be so easy. But you go out there and, and you get, uh, I mean, a chainsaw is better. Have you ever seen one of those videos where they got this uh, tree taken down machine? Oh, man. Talk about Tim the Tool Man, more power. It's a good thing they did not have that when that show was on. Because I'm sure he would have had it on there. And this this thing grabs hold of that tree and it just goes right up the trunk and cuts down all the branches and then slides down, chop, 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 chop. <laughs> and in, in less than two minutes, that tree is taken down and chopped up. Not in the firewood, but chopped up into long logs to be able to carry it away and, and, uh, and take care of it. I mean, whoa. <laughs> That tree would look like a stronghold to anybody with a handsaw. But anyone with that thing, that's no big deal. We'll take this guy out right away. Now, a God-given empowerment to believe for and to receive a miracle that is outside of the realm of what we have ever seen, heard, or thought possible, that is outside the realm of anything that we have seen, anything that we have heard, anything that we have thought possible, at least through us. But God looks for someone on earth to receive it and to bless those that live on it. That's the working, no, I'm sorry, that's the gift of faith. The gift of faith is different from the working of miracles in that the person works the miracle. God works the miracle through the person. The person does something or the person may command someone else to do something. Jesus comes up to the lame man and he says what? Rise, take up your bed and walk. He told him to do something. That's the working of miracles. Now there Jesus had to hear something. Jesus had to speak something. And that person had to receive that and obey it. And that was a working of miracles. That was a miracle that was done there. That wasn't the gift of faith. In the gift of faith, you see less involvement from the person that's doing the miracle. Or that the, the, the gift of faith is coming through. You're still going to see miracles. You're going to still see miraculous things that come through the gift of faith. But generally, that person is not there doing the working of them. Now, one thing about the gift of faith, it seems to operate in the moment. It doesn't build. Your faith builds. But the gift of faith operates in the moment. It comes upon you. And all of a sudden, you have great confidence and great faith that this is going to come about. So much so that you speak it, you say it, you do whatever needs to be done. The Amplified, when it comes to this, it says special faith. Now, there are three types of faith that we'll see in the Word of God. The first type is faith to be saved or saving faith, some people call it. And this is given to you through the hearing of the word. When we hear the word, we believe it and become saved. We do what the word says. And we submit ourselves to God. We receive him as our savior. Jesus as our savior. This is saving faith. Now, if you're going to get born again, you've got to have this. So everybody's got to have this saving faith. And once we get saved, we are given a gift of faith. And that gift of faith is what we call, we have faith to receive things. I have faith to receive things from God. We grow 
in this particular faith we grow in by obeying what we know. Saving faith, I hear the message of salvation, I believe it, and I walk in saving faith. Faith to receive though, the word of God tells me, do this, walk in this way, and I obey it. As I obey it, my faith in that area grows. The faith that I have in the beginning is not the faith that I'll have towards the end. Now this includes faith in his word and faith in the things that Jesus speaks. Things that the Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit. I have faith in what is the written word and I have faith in what he has spoken to me. When God says you shall do this, you're okay to do this, release this, go out, whatever it is, I have faith in that. These are the things that this faith will be operating on. And then we have the third one, the special faith or the gift of faith. And that's the one we're going to take a look at here. Now the gift of faith is given to receive miracles. Here's the difference. The gift of faith is given to receive miracles. The working of miracles is given to work miracles. The gift of faith is given to receive miracles. The working of miracles is given to work them. There is some effort. There is something that needs to be done for the working of miracles to come in. The gift of faith, you just receive it. Now, both produce miracles. One is active, the other is passive. The working of miracles, very active, very much involved in doing whatever it is that God says. They're not involved in bringing the power. They're involved in doing what God says so that the avenue is open for the power. The gift of faith, very passive. I just receive that gift of faith and I believe for that thing to come about. And then through my faith to believe, God is able to bring that thing in. One does and the other receives. Working the miracles does something. The gift of faith receives. Now we're going to take a look at some of the operations that most people associate with miracles and determine working of miracles, gift of faith. Here we have Enoch in Enoch, Genesis 5.24. And Enoch walked with God and was not for God took him. That's all we got on it. God took him. Now, do you pick up from that that Enoch is very much involved in this? I don't pick up that he's very much involved. We don't give a whole lot of details on what exactly happened. But in Hebrews 11.5, it says, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, how was Enoch taken? By faith. Now, up until the time of Enoch, had anyone been taken? Anyone just walking here on the earth and all of a sudden God says, come on. Come on up to my house. As, as far as we know, there was nobody before Enoch. Generally, anytime that you see something happening for the first time in the Word of God, the gift of faith is involved. Because it's never been done. If it's never been done then I don't have word on it that I can stand on because it's not written down. No one's ever done it before. Just like the first time someone was raised from the dead. Well, who's ever done this? How do I know I'm doing it right? How do I know I'm allowed to do it? Gift of faith gets involved because suddenly I have faith to believe even though I may not have all the other things that are generally needed to get that receiving faith operational. So Enoch seems to be the gift of faith was involved here. And he was gone. In um, 1 Kings 17, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide from the brook. Chirith, which flows into the Jordan, it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. And he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread, meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Now this was a miracle, and we've talked before about where the food came from where the ravens got it and where the, how they brought it over to him. But was this a gift of faith or was it the working of miracles? 
well, if you break this down, were the ravens going to follow Elijah? No, he's supposed to go to a certain spot, wasn't he? So there was some kind of obedience on his part. God spoke, you know, got to go over here. Up till now, I don't think we've ever heard that birds come and feed somebody. In James chapter 5, verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Does it seem like Elijah's involved? Sure does. It wasn't just that he said it shall not rain. He had prayed earnestly that it would not rain. Why? Because God told him you should, you should. Now, sometimes you will see gifts double up. You can see the working of miracles and the gift of faith in operation at the same time. You'll see this especially when someone needs to have faith to work a miracle that's never been done before. You can see the gift of faith and the working of miracles kick in together. It's not a big deal that you can figure out each one of these and, and decide, well, I, I'm not sure which one that was. That's going to hit, it's not going to hinder you. Just understand how they operate. You know, it'd be nice if we just, if Paul just broke out into an entire chapter and just broke down each one of these things for us. He doesn't. He just mentions that they're there. And we kind of have to go out there and figure it out ourselves. If it was a big deal, more time would have been spent on it in the Word of God. Now here in Daniel chapter 6, we're going to read the whole chapter. Not for all the details. I try not to get lost in this, but you need to see some things that had gone on in this. And in Daniel chapter 6, verse 1, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. We've never seen that in modern day, that some particular political person is so good at what they do that everyone else gets jealous and goes after them, do we? <laughs> that's never happened and uh, we can't even relate to, the, to this kind of stuff that's going on. But here it, it happened in Daniel's day. He was so good because the hand of God is on him. And he trusted God to do whatever he's going to do. And just like he trusted God to get the dream and the interpretation, he trusted God for other things too. And God kept working on him. And he just kept getting blessed in these idolaters in the kingdom who were trying to, to get ahead. They weren't uh, doing so well. They were using natural methods. And he's over here using supernatural methods. And it just wasn't a fair fight. So the king's thinking, you know what? I might just put the whole realm under him because he even does better than I do. He makes better decisions than I do. He anticipates things better than I do. If I put the whole realm under him, I'm going to do better. <laughs> so he's, he's contemplating doing that. And uh, the other ones get wind of it. So they said, we got to take this guy down. Now notice, in Daniel's day, as well as our day, as well as Jesus' day, as well as Paul's day. You name the day, it's been there. That if you got a man of God, if you've got somebody that God has anointed, that God has helped to accomplish things, whether things natural or things spiritual, there are people that will rise up that are jealous of that and will try to bring them down, but they cannot argue with their truth. So they come after their character. They tried to defame their character. They did it to Stephen because they couldn't stand up to this guy with all the miracles and things he was doing. All they can do is lie about him. We saw that Ahab did it because he wanted a vineyard. And the guy who had the vineyard was a very upstanding person. So what are we going to do? Lie about him. Tell false truths. What did they do about Jesus? Lied about him. They had witnesses come in. None of the witnesses would agree. And we can see this, this, these aren't the only ones. Other times this happens in the Word of God. Whenever you see this, as we've told you before, know who's behind it. God does not come after people to defame their character. He exposes their hypocrisy, but He doesn't come out to defame their character. That's not how God works. That is how the enemy works. He has worked that way all the time. He hasn't changed anything new. We shouldn't be falling for it. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. We've got to find some way where the law of his God will go against the law of the land 
because we know he won't disobey that. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. And all the governors of the kingdom and the administrators and the satraps and the counselors and the advisors have counseled together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree. Here's another way of saying it. All experts agree. You ever heard that terminology? All economists agree this is so. All scientists agree this is so. No, they don't. (laughs) They didn't hear either. Just the ones who didn't like Daniel. They all agreed. So we've all gotten together and we've all agreed. Since we all agree, it must be a good idea. We've counseled together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. What possible purpose could this serve? Instead of going through any other means to ask people things, everyone has to ask you. Now, if you're the king, you would first off, maybe if you had some pride in you, you would say, oh, wow, this would be cool. People have to come and ask me for things. After a while, you thought about it. Everybody has to come and ask you. Why are you asking me these things? Because I have to ask you. That's what the law says. Don't bother me with this stuff. Go ask so-and-so. I can't. I have to ask you. Can we do this? So all this stuff is now coming through him. He's got to be upset once he sees how this thing is actually going about. Can you imagine that people would pass a law that actually wouldn't do the thing that it says? Can you imagine that? That people would pass a law that is supposed to accomplish a certain bit of good, but actually it doesn't accomplish that good at all. It has a completely underhanded purpose to accomplish the purpose of the evil dwellers in the kingdom. Can you imagine? We can't imagine that kind of stuff happening here, can we? (laughs) Oh, man. See, there's no new stuff. It's all but around. The good thing is, the kingdom of God survived it before. And it will survive it again. So if anyone does, we're going to cast them into the den of lions. Now, if you give this any kind of thought at all, all right, everybody has to come through the king. If they don't come through the king and they get something done, then they got to go into the den of lions. Either we're going to be losing a whole lot of people in the kingdom, or the king's really going to be tied up, but nothing's going to get done for a month. Now, a king established a decree and signed the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, the king Darius signed the written decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room when his, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since the early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any God or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into a den of lions? Notice they did not lead with the fact that they caught somebody guilty. Because that would kill it. We have to first off reaffirm this is the law. We have to reaffirm this is the penalty. Once we reaffirmed all that, then we can bring in the dire motives. The king answered and said, This thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Do you think Daniel was the only person not going through the king? Do you think anyone else was upset at this law? What do you mean they got to ask the king for everything? you think anybody else in the kingdom was upset at this law? Having their hands tied? Can't do stuff unless they come to the king? You have to get an audience for the king. You may not be able to get that audience. That means you can't do it. I don't know what kind of things were included in there, but just say that you wanted to get a, uh, uh, what do they call it, a permit to build a shed on your property. Well, I'm sorry, but all requests have to go through the king. You gotta ask the king about building the, building the shed. King don't wanna know about me building the shed. That's not king business. How am I gonna get in there and find out from the king? So you're delayed in building your shed for a whole month. Cause you can't get in there. It's gonna make for some bad, uh, some upset people. I'll bet you there's some people said, forget this, I'm going to do it my own way. But they didn't get brought to the, to the uh, king. They didn't get thrown into the lion's den because this whole thing is set up for one purpose, to get Daniel. 
Now, we've shown you this before since we covered it. Daniel knew this whole thing was going on. Daniel could have shown up in the king's thing and, and said, you know what, king? They're just trying to get me. He didn't do it. When he knew the petition was signed, he went into his room, opened the door to, towards Jerusalem, just as he did other times, and prayed to his God. Verse 14, And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. He's trying to work this thing, isn't he? He can't get it done. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. Now, do you think these people are in good standing with the king at this point? The purpose for this whole thing is they want to get Daniel out of the way so that they can rise into the kingdom. In order to rise into the kingdom, they have to have whose approval? The king. Don't you think it would concern them that if we get the king mad at us, that we won't move forward? I'll put it to you another way. This might, might clear it up. Why do you think that lawmakers pass laws that they know the people will not like? Won't the people get mad at them and not put them in office again? But what happens? They pass the laws and they just uh, deal with it later as they as they go. I mean, Nancy Pelosi, how does she get keep being put back in? That's an evil woman. I don't know. But you see that they're not concerned. The king's going to be mad with us. We'll get this to pass. We'll do some things. We'll bribe some people. We'll pay off some things. Whatever it might be. We'll take care of it. Because they're taking Dan- they're taking his number one man out in Daniel. He, he cannot be too pleased with it. Where do we leave off at? Verse 15. 16. So the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But, but the king spoke saying to Daniel, now watch this. Your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Has this king ever seen anyone delivered from the den of lions? I would say no. Has Daniel ever seen anyone delivered from the den of lions? I would say no. This has probably not occurred. Why does the king say this? This is not Daniel saying, this is the king. Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. How does he got the notion that Daniel's God, who gives dreams and interpretations, is able to save from the, from the lions? To me, it went along something like this. Daniel and the king had a private powwow. And the king says to Daniel, Daniel, I did not see this coming. These scoundrels put this thing together to get you, and I didn't see it. I'm sorry I didn't see it. And I can see Daniel saying, King, don't worry about it. My God has shown me I'm coming out. Really? Your God can do this? Yeah, we're fine. Put me in there. It's all right. And so when he sends them, does it, wouldn't this line make more sense? None of the Babylonian gods save people from lions. That's why they have a lion's den. Because nobody ever gets out. They throw them in there and they die. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords. That the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. See, there's a purpose concerning Daniel. Now the king went to his, to his palace and spent the night fasting. And no musicians were brought before him. See, he couldn't just put on a tape. A CD, radio station. <laughs> Only way you had music was to bring in the musicians. Also, his sleep went from him. Now, who's writing this book? Daniel. I think this kind of means that Daniel's sleep didn't go from him. It went from the king. And the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions and when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. 
king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? See, now he's in a little bit of, he's not as sure as he was before. Before, he will deliver you. Now, was he able? Where did he get that confidence from in the previous verse? I think he got it from Daniel. Because Daniel was confident. How did Daniel get so confident that he's coming out of this den? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury, whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. How was Daniel saved? Because he believed in his God and an angel showed up. When you believe in your God, isn't that faith? Does Daniel cite anything that he did that brought this about? Did he hold up his staff? Did he take authority over the lions? He didn't, there's nothing there. This does not seem to be a working of miracles. This seems to be a gift of faith. Now, no one's ever come out of a lion's den before. This is the first time. I think generally every time you see a first time for something, the gift of faith has to be at least somewhat involved. Because no one's ever done it. It's the first time this is going on. So they bring them out. And the king gave command in verse 24. And they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. And the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. So if you think the lions weren't hungry, that was not the problem. I wonder if the angels were down there saying, go get them, go get them, come on, go get them. <laughs> Give it your all. <laughs> so they're breaking bones when they're coming down. Now, why did they put the the wives and the children? Have you ever read that and had trouble with it? Yeah. Well, understand this, God didn't put them in. The king did. God did not execute this punishment. God did not execute the punishment on Daniel. And God did not execute the punishment on them. This is done by them. Why did the king put the wives and the children into the... They had nothing to do with this. Why does the king do it? For the exact same reason that any politician in our country who decides to go against the grain faces such terrible abuse... Because we are going to make sure that you never try this again. And the king wants to make sure that everyone understands, don't you ever try and go after my man Daniel again. This is what people do. This is not what God does. This is what people do. God is not behind the wives and the children going in. In fact, God even says some things in his, in his word about each one will be guilty for their own sin. They pay for their own sin. Not the children, so forth. God is not in this. It's written in there because that's what happened. Daniel is telling you what happened. Daniel didn't ask for them to go in there. God didn't ask for them to go in there. Nobody from the Word of God, nobody from the, the kingdom of God, kingdom of light, ever said anything about putting them in there. The king did it. This is not the the most righteous of all kings. Understand that. He had some good sides. He had some bad sides. He, and he, he's a Mede and, Medes and the Persians. When I studied... I only studied, I love history, but I only study this history as it relates to the things of God because I don't like the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. There is nothing about it that I like. I know they did some good things. They brought Israel out. They did some, some, they had some good, good aspects to it. But that kingdom, oh, I tell you what, if you have, anybody ever studied the Medes and the Persians? And, and not the current day one. I'm not talking about current day Medes and Persians. I'm talking about, um, if you want, anybody know what the modern Persians are? Iran is the modern-day Persians, which is why they're not trusted in the Middle East because the rest of them are not Persians. They are the Persians. And they're not trusted by the rest of the Middle East. That's why Iran is looked at differently. But um, they were a weird bunch. I mean, they were weird. Really odd. And I, I could not get into the... I couldn't get into studying their history. I didn't like hearing what the things that they did. They were eerie. And I didn't like it. 
So I only studied them as much as I had to do to find out about the Word of God for it, and, uh, and that was it. We let the rest of it go. Then King Darius wrote to all peoples, nations, languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. This is what men do. This is not what God does. God does not legislate you shall all tremble before me. Men do that. And whenever men say you will tremble and you will do these particular things, it's never ending very good. Even though this looks like a good cause. Get everybody worshiping God. It's not going to happen. You got to get it from the heart, not just from the outward, outward side. God is not in this. It's in the Bible, but God is not in it. For He is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and His dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues and He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions so this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus, the Persians. I would say that's a very good case of the working of faith because what does Daniel do? I'm sorry, the gift of faith. What does Daniel do? He just believes. I'm going in, I'm coming out. That's it. The angel did the rest of it. Acts chapter 8, verse 39. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. He was beamed out. Beamed out of here and beamed over there. Just carried. Anybody ever done that in the word that we heard before? Just picked up, dropped on over here. Now, I don't see that he did anything for that. He doesn't call on anything as far as God is concerned. Uh, I'll see you. I'm leaving. He doesn't say any of that. He's just gone. It seemed to be a gift of faith is involved in Philippine, translated from one place to another. Acts 12 and verse 1. Now about that time, Herod, the, the king, stretched out his hand to harass some of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. That was during the days of unleavened bread, and so, and so when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now be- behold, the angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Rise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Gird yourself, tie on your sandals. So he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So is that working in miracles? Is that gift of faith? Well, the only thing we have that was going on was that people were praying. Was Peter's faith involved? The man's asleep. I mean, he has sowed peace. What's going on? He's just asleep. It may be that God showed him some things, except that he seems kind of surprised that the angel's there and that all this is going on. I think if he got word of it, Peter, I'm going to send my angel and take you out. He may still have been asleep, but he woke up and saw the angel. Oh, I was wondering what time you're going to get here. But that doesn't seem to happen. (laughs) He doesn't seem to be involved in this at all. And he's kind of just walking in a daze out there and said, I, 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 think I'm a, I think I'm dreaming. I think I'm dreaming. I'm going to wake up pretty soon. The dream's going to be over. And he wasn't waking up. And the angel left him. And so he walks on over to the house where everybody was out there praying. How much faith did they have? I know we've always picked on their faith, but really, if they're praying for deliverance, I think they prayed for deliverance and they, they believed it, but not in the middle of the night. I don't think they believed for it to, to be in the middle of the night. Now, when you're walking in the area of the working of miracles and you're operating in the area of the gift of faith, doesn't it seem, in the cases that we've seen in the Word of God, that people knew the outcome? When Moses stood before the Red Sea and worked the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea, didn't he know the outcome? I can go on some other ones. When Jesus was working the, the miracles for the lame man, 
the lepers. Doesn't he know the outcome? It seems to me that when the gifts of the working of miracles and the gift of faith is involved, that people knew the outcome. Peter doesn't know the outcome. The people in the house, they don't seem to know the outcome. They're all shocked. Surprised. It seems to me that this is neither of those gifts. That the people praying gave an opportunity for the angel to come. And the angel came and did stuff that they didn't even know. They just said, oh, God deliver them. Save them from this. So God came in and did it. But they were expecting that he would be delivered. I think they had faith for him to be delivered, but not in the middle of the night. They were maybe expecting that when he gets brought before the court, that the case is dropped, that he's spared something. But they were not expecting what happened. In Acts chapter 20, verse 9, and in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep and was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, embraced him. Do not tremble yourselves, for his life is in him. Now when he had come up, he had broken bread, eaten, and talked a long while, even until daybreak, and he departed. And they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little comforted. Now I would say somewhere in here, the gift of faith is involved. May have also had a little bit of working of miracles going on. I don't know who it is. I had this note written down. I don't know who said it, because I didn't write down who said it. I know I didn't say it. So it wasn't one of my notes that I put on there. But it said that most times that you see the dead raised from the dead, at least two gifts of the Spirit are in operation. But I don't know who said that. I wish I would have written down who said it. Because sometimes that helps you understand the thing. And so you may have seen the working of miracles and the gift of faith. Because you see a guy who falls down from a third story window. I mean, this, this guy isn't just dead. He's broken. I mean, there's stuff severed that shouldn't be severed. And... uh <laughs> He does not look all that good down there, falling from a third story, third story window. That's, uh, that's not good. And if you fall over backwards, you're sitting on the window, you fall over backwards. I don't imagine he hit in a really good spot on his body. I mean, if he fell down and hit on his head, oof. So there, there had to be some, some gift of faith. Doesn't seem like he did too much but embrace him. He said, oh, let's go back up and finish the meeting. That takes some faith to go back up and finish the meeting when there's a dead guy down there on the on the street. And that's what he did. Now, most times with Jesus, uh, we got a couple of references there. You can uh, look them up later on if you want to. But most times I see with Jesus, I don't see too much gift of uh, faith in the things that he does. Most of the time I see working in miracles. I'm sure it's involved in there. And maybe there's some episodes where uh, things have gone on that we weren't privy to, that we weren't told about. But from what we're seen, it seems like he's always working the miracle. He's either telling them to do something or he's doing something or somehow he's involved. A few times you might see uh, less involvement on him. Maybe at times you have gift of faith and working the miracles involved with Jesus. But so, it always seems like he is doing something. Even when the, the crowd wants to push him over and he walks through them. Well, he there's a there's a gift of faith certainly that's in, involved with that, but there's a working of miracles in that you are told, go walk through them, and you do it. And he did. Now, healing is mostly handled in the gifts of healings. We told you that before. You don't need working of miracles, and you don't need gift of faith for most aspects of healing. The gifts of healings are sufficient. doesn't mean that the working of miracles won't, yeah, it can't accomplish that. But most times that's what you need is a gift of healing if you need a, need a healing. There are sometimes things look like healing, but they actually need working of miracles. You need a, a new something. But uh, this, this gift can certainly team up with other things. Now what should I expect from the working of uh, this gift, the gift of miracles? What should I expect from it? First off, if we look at places in the Word of God where this has gone on, you saw protection. It offered protection for Daniel. Daniel was protected from these hungry lions. They couldn't come near him. The mouths were shut up by the angel. And um, if you've been in here long enough, you know that if you time this out, Daniel's book is not chronological. It's not chapter 5 happens after chapter 6. And chapter 6, I'm sorry, before. And chapter 6 happens before chapter 7. He bounces around a little bit, but he's always dating them. So if you look at the dating of it, and you date it by the year of the king, 
and who, which king is in there. Some stories with the king of, of Persia are kind of sandwiched in between some stories with the king of Babylon. Well, Babylon was before Persia. When Persia came, Babylon was gone. That kingdom was gone. So, they kind of bounced around a little bit. And if you'll go through and you look at this, the same year that Daniel was thrown into the lion's den is the same year he had the great vision of the end times. He received that in the exact same year that this happened. Now, if you've ever gone out to um, Sight and Sound, I've never been to Sight and Sound. If you go out there and you, you see the, um, the one they do on Daniel, they actually put it in the night that he was in the lion's den is where he received that vision. That could be. That could be. Angel did show up and deliver the message. Angel did show up in the lion's den. Daniel doesn't identify it as such, but he does identify that the year that happened is the year he got the vision. So this was almost like a test for him. And he passed with flying colors and advanced to the next level of revelation. But anyway, protection was here. Uh, with Elijah, we saw provision that had gone on. We saw peace that would come on with Elijah. Actually, the gift of faith you'll see more in when he was uh, up on the rock and the soldiers came to get him. And he says, uh, if I am a man of God, may fire come down from heaven. And to burn you up, and they all fire came down and burned them up. And when he's calling fire down from heaven, that seems to be more of a gift of faith than a work of the miracles. There doesn't seem to be anything he does, except he does call on it. But he just he knows it's there. And when he says it is when it comes. So you might have a combination of things. Maybe there's a little bit of working, but certainly there's a gift of faith. When does fire come down from heaven that a man calls for? In the Word of God, fire came down in the time of Moses, but. Um, Moses didn't call for it. God sent it. When you see something happen the first time, generally there's going to be a supernatural ability to believe for it. So protection, provision, peace. Peace will come upon your life in that situation. When you got that gift of faith going on, you are just at peace for this thing. Like, I got no problem believing this. Yeah, but that's, that's a, I got no problem. You got that supernatural gift of faith that is on the inside of you. Now look at this. When God parted the Red Sea, he used the working of miracles through Moses. When he parted the Red Sea, he used the working of miracles through Moses. What did he use when he parted the Jordan? When Israel comes back and goes into the promised land, what gift does he use to part the Jordan? Now, we're not going to rely on your memory. Let's go and read it. Joshua chapter 3, verse 14. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people... And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priest who bore the ark dipped into the edge of the water for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. So there's a whole lot more water than usual. That the waters which came down from the upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away from Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down into the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, failed and were cut off and the people crossed over opposite Jericho and the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed over completely over the Jordan. So in the Red Sea, Moses stretches out his staff and commands and the winds come and part the waters. When we have Jordan come, does Joshua stand out there with his staff? He does not. How is it that the waters become parted in this particular crossing? So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priest who bore the Ark dipped into the edge of the water. Now, if you go back a few more verses, you'll find out this is what they were commanded to do. God said, have them all get, have everybody all get ready and then have the priests that are carrying the Ark Step into the water. When they step into the water, things will begin to happen. You had the working of miracles to separate the Red Sea. When you get in here, you have the faith that comes from obedience. You don't have the working of miracles. You don't even seem to have the gift of faith. You have the faith that comes from obeying the Word of God. Picture this. There is enough power in obeying the word of God to part the Jordan. 
That's it. Obeying the Word of God. God said to do what? To step into the water. Well, we'll step into the water as soon as we see it parted. (laughs) No, 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 no. You don't see it part until you step into the water. Until you get your feet wet. Well, we'll step into the water as soon as we start to see the, the, the water stopped up. No. The water doesn't start being stopped up until what? You step into the water. Now, how's that relevant? Because you're not healed when you feel like you're healed. You're healed when you obey the Word of God. When you obey the Word of God, regardless of how much water is in the Jordan. When you step, when you make that step, that's when the power will come. You've got enough power on the inside of you that simple, obedient faith will part the waters of the Jordan during flood season. When it is as high as it is ever going to be. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been around a few rivers and streams, and when it's flood season, when it's higher than not, then it's not just deeper. You know what else it is? It is faster. And it is a lot faster. And you're going to put your feet in the water. Now, they don't seem to argue. They seem to pick everything up. And before, we got to at least see that the water was, the Red Sea was parted before we started gathering everything up. What if we gather everything up and nothing happens? What if I believe God for a healing and nothing happens? See, you're not in a boat that no one else has ever been in before. This is where they are. And they didn't need the gift of faith. And they don't seem to need the working of miracles. But a miracle still came. Just because God will work great miracles through the gift of faith and the working of miracles doesn't mean that it's the only way that He will do it. Last week we spent some time looking at on the third day that Jesus merely kept declaring, On the third day I will rise. On the third day I will rise. On the third day I will rise. And when the third day happened, what happened? He rose because of what He declared. See how much power is in you? Don't sell yourself short and don't feel like I must have this in order for this to go on. You don't. Just don't be out there living in, in, in fear and power and powerless, all that sort of stuff. Don't be doing that. I was having a conversation. I almost forgot about this part. But I was having a conversation last week. Bruce and Phyllis, you know, were here and they were kind enough to take some time out of their busy time coming on out here. And they came up to our house and we had some, um, some lunch together. And we were chatting, and uh, Bruce brought up some stuff, and it didn't dawn on me until after they left. I was mulling over some things, and uh, this this hit me. We were talking about um, uh, uh, immune systems, and he's since posted some things on the on uh, Facebook about that that uh, you know can be very beneficial to to read, and the different things that he was doing, other people are doing to boost up their immune systems because your immune system was God God gave you to to do some things like that, and you know a lot of people they just they don't want to do anything. And uh, they also brought up, um, I guess, some, some things I'm not sure if they heard or how somehow we, we came up, that some people, from the time this thing had gone on, didn't feel like I was taking the virus seriously. Not them. Don't, don't try and put that on them. But they, they came up in conversation. And I understood that that was going on, that people, you know, sometimes had, had thought that. Didn't bother me none. Because uh, I knew what I was supposed to do, and I operated according to, to that, and we just stayed within those those realms. I don't care where a man sets up, I have to do. I have to set within the parameters that God gives me and what to do. But this is what God related it to. And once he did it, this, oh, I understand this perfectly. He said, uh, he said, Steve, he said, when you sense, when you see, or when you hear that false doctrine is coming in this way, what do you do? I said, well, I do what you told me to do. I said, I always teach him what the truth is in that matter, so that when it finally gets here, it can't take root. He said, exactly, that's an immune system. He said, you don't ignore the false doctrine. That doesn't help. But when it comes, you're not afraid of it. You're not jumping around, taking care of all these things, because you... 
you've got the congregation ready. They're immune to it. So you don't ignore it, you just prepare for it. I said, yep, I can see that. You see, getting your immune system ready is just preparing things. It's preparing what God already gave you. We don't ignore it, we just prepare. When it comes, we're all right. So that helped me out. Put this in your outline for you. Don't underestimate the power of obedient faith. Don't underestimate it. Because your obedience to what God has said in His Word or what God has spoken in your spirit is incredibly powerful. We have said this over and over again, that whenever the Word of God, whenever the command of God comes and I obey it, what comes next? Power. When the command of God comes and I obey it, power always follows. Look at it through the Word of God. Just go on home tonight. Before you go to bed, just read the Bible. Just, just read, read the whole thing. Just before you go to bed. Read the whole thing on through. And you'll see, every time God commanded and people obeyed, power followed. Every time. Now when God commanded and people didn't obey, there was no power. The enemy was sometimes empowered. But here's this question for you. Are you ready for God to use you to receive a miracle for another or for others? Are you ready? You see, you have to actually actually pursue it. You've got to be active in it. Father God, I want these gifts to operate in me, not because you want to make something of yourself, a name that people will recognize or anything like that. Father God, you have put these gifts here for the benefit of the body. If I pursue them, the body is benefited. I want to have a hand in that. But you need to be involving yourself in situations or at least be willing to insert yourself into them. If you don't, if you don't go out there and lay hands on people, if you don't go over there and, and pray for situations, if you don't go out there and get yourself involved, you won't find out what these gifts are. If you don't take on any trees, you won't know what the tools can do. Now, I put this in your, in your outline for you. I want you to understand this. And again, while you're reading the Bible through for that other matter, keep an eye on it for this one too. It seems that when the gift, when this gift is deployed, and by this gift I mean the gift of faith and also the working of miracles. I'm going to put both of them in this category. It seems that when this gift is deployed by God, the person used is, now get this, and you read through the Bible and you find out if I'm not, if this is not true, the person used is not in church. You look at every time these things were done. Almost every time the person is not in church. There are a handful of times when it happens in a church. Most of the time, they are outside of church. They're on the street. They're in somebody's home. They're not in church. These gifts will empower you. Don't feel like anyone in church is holding you back. Well, they don't ever give me an opportunity in church to do this. It doesn't matter. Because when Jesus was operating the working of miracles, he's out in the street. He went over to where sick people were, over by the pool. People found him. People came to him out in the fields. Didn't matter. You do not need to be in a building for this to go on. It can be wherever you are, but you've got to insert yourself in the situation. If you see sick people, you need to go over there and lay hands on them. Well, I don't know if God wants me to. I mean, maybe God doesn't want me to go lay hands on that person. What did the Word of God say? These signs shall follow them to believe. Gives us a list of things, and one of those things in that list was, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Well, how do I know which one shall recover? You won't till you go out there and lay hands on them. Lay hands on people. Get those things going. If you just hear about stuff, stuff going on, but you don't go out and lay hands on them, you won't enact these things. And you may have the gift of the working of miracles on your life, but never discover it. Because I never did anything with it. Well, I'm pretty sure that I don't have that because I'm not really anybody in the body of Christ and I don't really know a whole lot about the Word. And, you know, what can God do with me? He took 12 fishermen. Before the year was up, Jesus had them sent out, laying hands on the sick, casting out demons. 
the disciples went and they got seven people who were just people in the church to take care of the mundane business things that they didn't want to do. And before long, almost every single one of them is out there laying hands on people and performing miracles. How'd they do it? They inserted themselves into what was going on. Don't count yourself out. That's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants to count yourself out. These gifts are, you don't have any power in you. If you've got the Holy Spirit in you, these are the gifts that are in you. Well, God has never used me in this way before. You've never given him an opportunity before. Now, when the gift of faith comes upon you, and I listen to a whole lot of people who are teaching on the gift of faith, I listen to people who had the gift of faith in their life. And I heard them tell about the stories. One thing I wish they would have done, tell me how it is when it's going on in your life. Tell me what's going on. (laughs) Tell me about the first time. But they don't do that. But here's what we know from the Word of God, that when people operated in this gift of faith, they had an amazing amount of confidence. And it came from outside of them, and they took on things that no one else had ever taken on. And they weren't shaken by it. That is beyond their faith. That is the gift of faith. But if you are not even operating in obedient faith, how in the world is God going to do that? If you read in the Word of God, and the Word of God says, do this, operate this way, and you don't operate that way, how is God going to use you in anything greater in the area of faith? You're not giving him an opportunity. You're not giving him an open door, but he wants you to give him an open door. He's looking for you to give him an open door. What if God has gifts of faith working in miracles out there and people just aren't using them and you're out there desiring them, pursuing them, and doing everything you can to get yourself inserted in, in, the, in the matters? What's God going to say? Boy, I would love to give them them. You know, I didn't really want to before, so I'm not going to change my mind. No, get out there. Act like God has given you everything that you need. Because I believe somewhere in the Word of God it says that. <laughs> he has given you everything you need to, for life and godliness. Don't sell yourself short. Don't tell yourself, I can't do it. Because you can. These gifts, they are not carnal. These weapons are not carnal. They are made to take on the things of the enemy and tear them to pieces. The gifts of healing are there to tear apart any sickness and disease that comes this way. I don't care what the disease is called or whether man made it or the devil made it. It don't matter. God is not surprised by any of it. And His power will knock it out. Don't you be afraid of it. Whatever situation you're in, working in miracles, parted rivers, transported people, gift of faith, Save people from the lion's den. We didn't even talk about the fiery furnace. How did anybody work that miracle? That's just a gift of faith. And they received it. Anybody ever gone into a hot fiery furnace before and come out? Nope. Do they seem bothered? Nope. Seem pretty confident, don't they? Oh, when that gift of faith comes upon you, you I, one thing I will say from all the people I've listened to on this, you are confident. You will say things, you will do things, and you'll be saying, man, where did that come from? (laughs) It just rises up on the inside of you, and you speak it out, and you say it. There it is. But God has empowered you. He's put these things on you. Don't just sit back there saying, well, you know, he's got these gifts on there. We don't even need a couple of them. No, we need everyone going on that again. You are in touch with people no one else is. And God will use you. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are poured out to us. They are given to us. And you desire to use us, not because of our great qualifications, not because of our great Bible knowledge, not for any physical attribute that we have, for even in the selection of David, you showed us I don't select because of outward appearance. I select because of the heart. In all the days of our Christian life, we are in preparation mode. We are getting ready. So that when we are called upon, we will step up. I thank you that we have a church full of people who are ready to go out and to lay hands on the sick, to speak words of encouragement, 
words of prophecy to those that are in their path, that the working of miracles will be going on. And what looks like, oh, there's no way that I can help that. Wow, look at that. Look at that. Bad that person is messed up. And the word of knowledge will come out and people will know things that they have no reason to know. And the word of wisdom will come out when people know what's coming before anyone else sees. And you show us how to use these gifts for your kingdom. For the profit, the benefit of all. Thank you for it. We'll be looking for these opportunities. Stepping out. And I thank you that you make our eye keenly aware what is all around us. That we won't skip by them. We won't miss them. We won't walk past. We won't decide, well, that one probably won't work. I won't pray for them. We will go out. We will lay hands. We will pray. We will put the word of God to work. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in the weeks to come, I expect that you will be moving out of these things and seeing some of this go on. Don't ever sell yourself short. Don't ever say, well, I've been around 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, and God hasn't used me yet. I doubt he's going to do anything now. We've already shown you some people didn't get started until late in life only because they didn't answer the call. That call can be there. But you got to be out there and lay hands on people. The enemy is going to constantly try and tell you God can't use you. God won't use you. God doesn't want to use you. Just stay there. Sit on the pew. Sit on the chair. Stay at home. Don't bother with it. He's going to constantly be telling you that. But get out there. Lay hands on the sick. Pray for those that are out there. Put the word of God to work. Don't sell them short. Give them what, what God has given you. As Peter said at the gate, what I have, I give you. I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You are empowered and you are far more able to do this than you realize because the enemy has kept us under. Don't let him do it anymore. Step out. I want to see some praise reports. People that you stepped out for. Even if you don't know the end result. You saw somebody in the parking lot at the Walmart. See, we need some of you folks to go to Walmart because I'm not there. Now, wherever it is that you shop, God wants to use you there. You see somebody in the parking lot and you're drawing over to them. And as you talk to them, is there anything I can pray for you with? Well, I'm facing this. And you pray for them. Even if you don't know the end result, Put it on the praise report card. Just write it in there. I was on the parking lot in the Walmart. It's in the parking lot of McDonald's. God led me to this person. We prayed. Just put, that encourages other people. Oh, yeah, there's somebody else. They went out. If they went out, I can go out. And if we're all going out, we're changing the people's lives.